Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. Hello, good evening. Welcome to Eyewitness News coming to you live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka in Accra. My name is Salom Adonu. Tonight I'm here with Akusia Ochre. Coming up over the next 90 minutes. And then somebody put it out there, ah, from Bob Martin has taken 500k. What am I going to do with it? There was an orchestrating scheme, even within the party and government. To get you out. To get you out. So that, look, why is it when I left, now everybody's in the forest? At that time, you dare not enter the forest. Former Environment Minister Professor Frimpong Boatin speaks for the first time after leaving office, accusing his fellow government and party officials of working to hound him out of office with allegations of missing excavators, among many other claims. Also coming, our first Deputy Speaker of Parliament cautions Ghanaians never to vote into office and hang Parliament as he claims it makes the legislature inefficient. We will examine his arguments. Still on Eyewitness News, angry residents of Wamasap at the Regional Coordinating Council to demand justice for a 28-year-old man killed by the anti-robbery unit of the Ghana Police Service for his alleged involvement in a robbery syndicate. We will bring you a situation report from Wa Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and other stories on Eyewitness News and in business. The Ghana Revenue Authority urges businesses to embrace EVAT system to boost their daily transactions. Natalie Nettia Jahu returns in the next 50 minutes for more uh, stories in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across the country on all our affiliates and around the globe at citynewsroom.com. Your comments are welcome via our WhatsApp line 0549-986-996. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at Selom. I don't know the hashtag as always is city newsroom uh first story akusia some residents of wa in the upper west region today must up at the forecourt of the upper west regional coordinating council to demand the body of a 28 year old man who was killed by the police last wednesday the residents who are mostly youth also demanded that the police should clear the deceased of the any wrongdoing before the body is released for burial some personnel of the anti-robbery unit of the Ghana Police Service allegedly killed Abubakar Shahid for his alleged involvement in a robbery syndicate. The angry residents, however, insisted the deceased was innocent of the crime. Here are some of the residents. The guy is not a criminal. He's not a known thief in the community. But if the police should admit that it was a straight bullet that goes to him, we all believe that death is real, like in the verse. There are Every living soul will taste death. Then we will take it like that. Do whatever we're supposed to do in the Islamic way. Then we pray to God. But if they want to give a bad reputation to a small boy whom everybody knows in the community to be very charitable, honest, and obedient, there we said no, we won't agree. If not him, but tomorrow it will be someone else. And again, I have a question to ask. Policing, as we all know, is about intelligence, wisdom, and other things to mention, but few. 
But now, policing is now described with arrogance due to the emergence of this particular team that came, these anti-robbers. Having seen them, where they shot my younger brother, there's no police post there. There's no street lighting in there. How can you stop someone and he will know that it is police? So you had voices of some residents of Wa in the Upper West region. Let's go to Wa again and speak to Mohamed Tamin, who is a youth uh, leader at uh, Dondilo. And he organized the youth group today and, I mean, who masked up at the uh, Regional Coordinating Council to demand justice for the 28-year-old uh, man. Hello, good evening, sir. Welcome to Eyewitness News. Can you kindly bring us up to speed on what the situation has been? How did the police get to kill uh, this gentleman you you are you are you are fighting for. Good evening, my brother, and good evening to your cherished listeners, and thank you for the audience and time given. Well, it was on Wednesday night at about seven to eight when my younger brother Shahid Abubakar, who left Dondoli, a suburb of Wa, to Tembilaju at the Dero Electoral Area, to pick his friend, who is not well, and uh, have his residence there. So on his way going, uh, he met these people called anti-robbers from the Ghana police unit. They shot him, and this uh, man that he was going to pick, the full man, head of a gun store, and called my brother, tried online. If you are already on your way coming to pick me, please don't come. There's guns out in and around our residence. And he said, I'm already wounded. I've been sustained with gun injuries. I'm on the floor line now. This was the applied side gave to the man he was going to pick. One, Omar Hamidu. Then, Omar then called me and said, Malam, if you are home, Quickly rise to my neighborhood. Shahid was coming to pick me to my other house at Dundoli. But this is the situation he got his, himself in. He said that a police shot him. Uh, I see. So, so quickly, yes, go ahead. So, so quickly, I called the assembly member who is also a close friend, one Mr. Rashid. I called him and asked him to render an assistance to me. Because my younger brother has been shot at his electoral area, said that whilst I do the follow up, he was very close to the area. He quickly rise there as the first police unit does snapshot. That was there. They said, Oh, they are not aware of any incident that happened here. But he can proceed further where the full and stay. Where I'm talking of is within one municipal, not more than 200 meters away from the Jahang Training College. Then the assemblyman proceeded and met those people. They said, please go back. He said, no, I'm the assemblyman ahead of an incident, which I'm coming to inquire. They said, okay, if you are the assemblyman, they will grant you audience. But before we do so, go to the police station and wait for us. My friend called me whilst I was on my way. I met him. We all went back to the police station. And where they directed him, they directed him to go was the district CID unit. We went there. They came back. Two of my brothers who were fast enough to approach them and said, we've heard that you had an incident with our younger brother. Where is he? 
Because when they came, they came with one other suspect with handcuffs in him. So they said, oh, you came with one person. But we heard that you had an uh, an issue with our brother. Where is he? The one you sought. What the guy said, you can't talk to us now. We are still on our mission of facing business. So until we finish, we can't talk to you. He said, oh, we want to know his whereabouts. Maybe he might be seriously wounded. Since you are here and he's not with you, direct us where he is so that we can go for his rescue. And he said, you are challenging our authority. And if we joke, we take you behind bars. Then the other brother said, no, you can't do that. He's trying to inquire. He's a human being. His brother has his right. Then they said, okay, you too, you are also challenging. Then they decided to beat. About 10 policemen, they were beating these people trying to tear their dresses. At the time, they even went home without slippers. The, the way they were beating them, mercilessly, pushed them into the district CID unit. There, I and the assemblyman went in to again plead that they should leave them. As soon as they leave them, we wanted to inquire again about where our brother was. There, they said, we cannot, because we are going by one of the captives, or one of those we've arrested from Sajia, and uh, from that Nadoli Kelio or the Jepa district. That's where they arrested him. He and one other guy that they brought to the station, they were leading them to apprehend the test suspect around that area. So when we got there, that man escaped without handcuffs. As of now, he ran away without handcuffs. Unless you go look for him, as we have no answer or no explanation to give to anybody. So you can go back and they left with the car again. There we went back home. The next morning, I asked my brothers to go and search from the various hospitals. Maybe they may dump him there. Lo and behold, they went to the original hospital and he was already lying down there at the mortuary. Oh, so so he he died. So so uh, you know he he was shot, but you guys didn't know where he was. And then no, by the time you realized, he was in in the morgue. In the mortuary. That was the next morning. So which that part was, of his body? Which part of his body was shot? Do you know? My brother, you will lament it if you see. Even those hunting wild animals will not shoot an animal that way. Two blows to his stomach, one to his arm, all the front arm. None came from behind. But they claimed that this guy was one of the culprits that the suspect called. When he ambushed them, then he left his motorbike and he was running and they shot him. My brother, if someone is running and you want to shoot, I think you shoot from the behind. That's the back. It's either the oxypoot or around the spinal cord. But this guy was shot at his stomach. I was at the mortuary to look at him. You will lament it. They shot him too at his stomach, one at his arm. Your, your brother, what, what, what job was he doing? What was he involved yes. in before they arrested him? What kind of job was he doing? Yes, my brother is a, a student, um, an Arabic student. Arabic student where? Uh, at Dondole. Dondole is a secular community where with this orthodox knowledge of Arabic is well-versed. And we have a lot of sick people from uh, University of Azhar that are there studying people. If you want, you can join a school, a government school. And if you want to, you can join them. So he was with us under the care of Sheikh Hissam, a graduate of Azhar University. 
So, so who who might have taken him to the hospital? Would you know? It is the police. When we went there, the hospital, they said it is the police that they brought him and dumped him. And the name they gave to the emergency unit was that Ibrahim man. If you go there to check on uh, their, their files, what is there is Ibrahim man, the name they gave to them. So if you, if you were hunting for Ibrahim man, meaning what the one you saw, it's not Ibrahim man. His name is Shahid Abubakar, who was born on 22nd of this month. That's March. So, uh, do you know whether he he was sent dead, dead, or he died whilst at the hospital? According to the the nurse who was in charge, they said he only breathed once. So they are, uh, before they dropped him, he just breathed once, and that was all. And what did the police say when they dropped him there? What did what what did the nurses or the hospital authorities say? The police yes, told when them. They, when they, they said, the police said that he is an arm robber. They sought and they are bringing him to them while they are going to uh, apprehend the other suspect who ran away with their handcuffs. Do you know whether your brother might have, you know, uh, engaged in some altercation or argument with the police when he was stopped or when he was asked to, to, but, to obey an instruction? Well, this question, is, I'm very, very happy because he was born naked in Wa Dundeli. I know him. He's my errant boy. Everybody in the community knows him. The number of people that went out crying is because that guy very, very charitable, hospitable, obedient, and myself uh, and reliable. Whatever you ask him to do, he does exactly that. If he can, he will laugh and say, oh, please, this one, I need assistance. So do you know... Who... Yes, go ahead. Uh, I'm listening, please. Yes, do you know, uh, so do, would you perchance know any of the police people who uh, carried out the operation and who dropped him at the hospital? My brother, they are called the anti-robbers unit. I'm told, they just, came to the, they just came to the region. I'm told they have their headquarters at Accra and one in Kumasi. And you know the funny thing? I was with them that night when they were blaming each other. How? Ten men who let one single person run away with handcuffs in both hands. And you decide to just shoot someone. Why couldn't you fire him when he was run away? How distant was he with you? I was sitting by, besides, well, while they were beating the other people, we started shooting them. You know, the other people, there somewhere sitting outside. And we, are, we were all sitting in dark. But how, how, did you, how did you get to be around the place? Because when your brother was shot, you, you were not there. So how did you come to be where they started arguing among themselves that yeah, somebody ran away done, with the handcuff. It, it was done at the CID unit, Wa, uh, district CID unit at Wa, very close to my house. You know, I told you earlier on in my narration that when I called the assemblyman to go for my rescue, to go and assess my brother, was come because it happened in this electoral area and he was very close to that area. They directed him that he should go back to the police station and wait for them. On my way, he also said that they said he should go and wait. Then we went there together. I was sitting there while they were having the other suspect. You know, initially they arrested two suspects from a certain district, whom I was told there they went and robbed. So they went and apprehended them, brought them to Watown, trying to investigate. And according to them, the suspects said they have 
another another person who stays around where they shot my brother. But the funny thing is that policing, as we all know, decency, obedience, intelligence, integrity is part of policing. To my best of understanding, as it used to be. Yes. But, but have you heard from the, the police since the incident occurred? Has anybody from the police service called you to tell you anything? My brother, they always decline in talking to us, nor even the media. Except when we send our message to the municipal chief executive yesterday by the authorization of the family head. And today we proceeded to meet the chairman of research. That's the RM in his office with the same issue. There, their messages were coming out. We even went further to ask one of our brothers to inquire. They were said, oh, he's an arm robber. He's an arm robber. And this guy has never for once stolen a friend ice cream in the family house. Said that you could say that whilst he was doing it, they say charity begins at home. That prompted him to join others in doing it. He has never done such. That is why most people are very brief, had burden over the incident. If it was that, he was somebody we know with some cruel, uh, some negative uh, behavior, or a known thief, not just a criminal, a known thief in the community. Nobody would go out to say anything. Very well. So when you met the minister, uh, what did he say about the situation? Did he say what did he say? What was his version of? Uh, uh, the, the, the situation. We send a proposal. That's what? what this is this what has happened to our brother. On Wednesday, we met the chairman of the Musek. That's the municipal chief executive. And we are to proceed to you. And thank God you are all indigenous from the, the region. You might have inquired through your own way to know about the boy. He is not of such Character. Yes, but yeah. what, what did he say after all of that? What so did he we, say? We, we said that, and the regional minister assured us of justice and fairness. That's I, I see. So, what, what yes. will justice? What will justice mean for you? Justice will mean that the police should go out and say that was a mistake. It might be a straight bullet they shot due to the the guy they apprehended who wanted to escape, and it hurt our brother. This a known thing. We all know that life, death is real. Even in the chronic verse, it says, "Couldn't nothing that it can live living so will just will taste death." And there, they will know how to compensate the family. Else, it is one God. We also, but one other thing I want to put across is that they should not let us lose our trust and confidence in the police service. So have they because given you? The, yes, have they given you the body? Yes, please. So what, what has happened to you? Have you buried the body yet? Yes, the body has been buried. Very well. At the late Doctor Sule's memorial at, uh, cemetery. Very well, Mohammed. Thank you very much for speaking to us. Uh, have our sympathies, and, and we I'm hope that you you will get justice as you embark on on this. Um, Mohammed Tamin is a youth uh, leader at uh, Dondoli. Uh, in the Upper West region, and they are demanding justice for uh, their brother, Abu Bakari Shahid, who uh, was killed by the police, they tell us. Now, let's speak to Isahaku Tahiru.
uh, moment who is the municipal chief executive for the wa area um hello good evening sir welcome to eyewitness news um I i'm sure obviously i mean you would have heard of this indeed uh the gentleman i spoke to said they came to you to report to you can you confirm to us whether indeed there was an operation of that nature in this specific area in in, in question on the day of the incident yes I i'm saying that can you confirm to us whether there was a police operation you know in the nature as we've described you know, in the particular area we are talking about, the Dunduli area. Yeah, thank you very much. First of all, I, I would want to thank you so much and also uh, thank uh, who has just uh, dropped the line, you know, for giving an account of um, what has happened. And I'm thanking him because um, they have demonstrated uh, maturity in this issue and have shown that... Um, abiding people who would not love to take the law into in seeking for uh, justice or probably revenge. So uh, as whether I can confirm the issue um, the happening of it at Dundeli yes, uh, the issue has occurred but not at Dundeli but at a different place as was reported by the family. So I want to say that it was only when the family came to, to report the incident to me that uh, the issue came into my attention because no agent or official has reported the matter to me until the family to narrate the incident. It was then after I also decided to go right, you know, the comfort zone to find out what really occurred and who was the individual involved. So we did that, and I, I thank them so much, and then I also encourage them, and then appeal to them to still remain calm while um, authorities go into the issue to look for what really happened, you know, and how justice can be served. And we know issues of this nation, and it requires tact and patience, and that is exactly what we have Doing. So, what so, did your briefing? What did your briefing from the police say? You, you are the, the 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 head of the municipal security council. I'm sure by now you'd have summoned uh, the, the 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 district police commander and all of those people there to to give you some briefing on the matter. What have they been telling you? Yes, um, I summoned emergency security council meeting, and a lot of issues came up. The police gave out their side. Uh, as against what the family also did. And the uh, two accounts are different entirely. So what the family, the police are saying is entirely different. But then I was also born and bred and in this specific locality, you know, to say, <clears throat> uh, say. So the guy in question and the family in question were the guys coming from told to be told i i'll be i'll be hesitant you know the guy indeed you know um it's an arm robber until maybe yes are, are you there so so you're saying that given the fact that you come from the area and you you you, you i mean knowing that the family well i i think we, we lost uh bisaku tahiri was making a very important point 
in in respect of what he's thinking of what the two accounts were he said the two accounts were totally different the family said something else and when he summoned the police officer or the police the, the emergency security meeting the head of the police uh, team in the area also gave a very different account and the two accounts very 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 different and he's been trying to reconcile the two but he's just telling us that um he would be surprised knowing the family and, and the area and everything uh, he will actually be hesitant until he sees some good proof that indeed the gentleman was an armed robber. Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we're working the lines to get him back to conclude uh, the point he was making. So possibly put a few questions to him and see where the matter goes. Um, we, we have him back on the line. Um, so, so Honorable uh, Tahiru Muman, you were saying that you hesitate to accept that the gentleman, knowing who he was, would be an armed robber. Is that correct? Yeah that, that, yeah, that is what that is what um, I have said. Until maybe further evidence comes, you know, to suggest that or to confirm the position uh, that is being held now. But as a um, representative of a, of a system, the Minister Chairman to the Municipal Council, we have gathered our opinion at the MUSEC, and we are forwarding same <clears throat> to the Regional uh, Security Council, you know, for further deliberation. Because, you know, the unit that uh, is involved in this matter, you know, we do not have, you know, jurisdiction over their operations. So we are referring the issue to the Regional Security Council for further, you know, consideration. However, we are also requesting that an independent uh, body should be constituted you know, to conduct independent investigation into the matter, where the family and the disease, uh, the disease family and other people involved will give their account of what happened, and the police will also give their account of what, you know, they, they, they presume is the situation, so that for this independent body to look at it and come out with a report for us to consider. Because in this case, um, the police or that particular unit also stand accused by the family of doing something that is not right. So if the family is accusing that particular unit of the police service for engaging in that act, and I, I don't think it would be right for us to say that that particular unit should investigate the matter. So, so, the, police, so, so, the, so the police were insistent that the gentleman... Uh, Awakarisha did indeed was an arm robber. That, that was the police's conclusion for which reason they, they killed him. That, that, that's what they told you. Well, they gave a report, but I'm not collaborating what you have said. They gave a report of what has happened. Yes, I, I'm just trying to understand yeah. what that report so because you said that the, you know what you what this what the family said was very report, different the because report. the family is insisting that their son was not an arm robber. So if you said it was the police's account was contrary to the family's. It obviously means that the police would insist that the gentleman was an arm robber. You've also told us that you have your own opinion on the matter, and seeing the family, knowing the family and the area and everything, you do not take or you will hesitate uh, until giving further proof to, 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 to say that the gentleman indeed was an arm robber, which is quite clear where the direction of music is. So I'm asking that are the police still insisting that the gentleman was, 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 a, was an arm robber? So, but, but these are two accounts that I have given you. So you can infer between the two and look at my position, and then also look at the position of the police. So I'm op I am not able to give you specific words and statements with regards to, you know, the position that 
we take or uh, no 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 but 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 mc as you are yeah. giving you our account very well yes but, but my, my concern heard, is Yes, my, my, my concern is, as, as music, as music, you said you have an opinion on the matter. Your, your opinion should be no, very rich because Musek, you, 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 you had both sides. Yes. Musek, Musek has no opinion on the matter. What I, what I told you is that Musek sat on the matter. We invited the people involved, that is the police, they gave their account. And then we also had the account of the, the family. So in looking at it, we have concluded that we will have to refer the matter to the regional security council to set up an independent body to investigate the matter, to bring finality and conclusion, so that where justice lies, it should be said appropriately. So that is what I have said, and that is what I have repeated. I see. So, so the, yes. <coughs> yes, yes. So, so that is the situation at the moment. Very well. But how is the town? I mean, what, what is the security situation in the town? Yes, the town is calm. Because as I started, I told you how the family has been able to manage the campus and I indicated to you they have demonstrated law-abiding, you know, uh, situation. And then also they have indicated their resolve to support the system to unearth the truth and the veracity of what happened. For them, their concern is not about uh, getting something in, in the form of compensation, but for them to clear the name of their son, because they knew they already lost him, but then he should not depart with a name or a tag of an armed robber. That will stay from generation to generation in that family. So that is their concern. And as I indicated, they have given their account in the police that unit has also given their account. And as Municipal Security Council, you know, ours is not to adjudicate and to decide and pass judgment. Ours is to ensure peace in the municipality and to ensure that justice is set. Very well. And that is exactly what we are doing. Very well. So we have been able to speak to the families. They've listened to us and respected our opinion and views. And they decided and agreed to stay calm. We are forwarding the matter to the Regional Security Council for further consideration and then also requesting for an independent body to investigate the matter mm. so that their report will be public for everyone to know what really is the situation underground. Thank you. And I know if that happens, the family will be happy and pleased with everyone. Thank you I so much. Yes, because you are welcome. Yes, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for your time, uh, Municipal Chief Executive for Wa Isaku Tahiru moment for speaking to us on this uh, sad situation. Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Your messages have been coming in thick and fast. Uh, General Otega has said, on why does a nation seem to be facing intelligence failure? We are in a volatile region and we must put our acts together. 
and get our priorities right. It's clear the center is not holding in the general administration of the country. You said Ghana is bleeding and God should save us. Mama Bakojo from Assume says the military is not above the law and they know this case falls within the mandate of the police. Well, that's a different matter. Uh, Fian, Fian, Fianoga in Abo says, why should the police kill suspected armed robbers? Uh, the police should change their ways of operations in this country. Uh, Taysen Designs in Ho says, uh, why are people in uniform abusing the citizens whose taxes they use are used to pay them? Uh, it's becoming one too many. Our brothers in uniform are our own friends and family. But immediately they put on their uniform, they behave differently. And you ask why. Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Uh, you remember Professor Frimpon Boatin. You also remember the saga of the missing excavators. Uh, Professor Frimpon Boatin has been saying that it was a deliberate attempt by his colleagues in government and in the party to hound him out of office. We'll tell you more when you return. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You all come back. Now, former Minister of Environment, Science and Technology, Professor Frimpong Boating, says there was a grand scheme within government and the MPP to get him out of office. Professor Frimpong Boating says allegations that over 500 excavators went missing under his watch were untrue. Speaking to the Ghana Broadcasting Corporation, Professor Frimpong Boating says persons within government wanted him out because of his stances against Kalamse mining. It is no excavator, 500 excavator. Well, who said that? It was somebody who threw that into the uh, uh, into, media space. Yes, yeah, the media space to, to tack something on Frimpo Boatin. What am I doing with 500 excavators? What really happened, Prof? What was the true story? The true story is that uh, at the start of the Operation Vanguard thing, the soldiers were uh, supposed to arrest the excavators mm. and they go into the forest where they are doing the uh, mining and they remove the control board okay so if they remove 20 control boards today they will report mm. that they have immobilized okay. 20 control boards once they are removed there's no way those excavators can move can move but then when you go away they'll bring Another new <laughs> new um control <laughs> boards and fix them and then and, and off they go ah. So, we got a report that they had immobilized over 750-something uh, excavators. So, we appointed somebody to go around and check. When we went around, I think we got about 150-200 that we could see. Okay. The rest had either been given to their owners or Vanished. they put in some yeah, extra, pass. extra pass and moved them away. Okay. And then somebody put it out there, ah, from Bob Martin has taken 500 escape. What am I going to do with it? There was an orchestrating scheme, even within the party and government. To get you out. To get you out. So that, look, why is it when I left, now everybody is in the forest? At that time, you dare not enter the forest. Yeah. You know, but as I said, I don't want to go into details now, because I have a lot to say on that. Mm. But let me tell you that I did not take one excavator for anything. 
and they know the truth. Now things are coming up. We know those who are um, behind, behind it and the party people who are dead, people in government, including Jubilee House, who are doing Galamse and so on, even now. So uh, let Frimpong Boatin stay in his corner and enjoy his retirement. Former Minister of Environment, Science and Technology, Professor Frimpong Boatin. Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. I'm sure you, you recall all those episodes of uh, excavators, missing excavators, flying excavators, about 500 of them or so. We heard uh, they were parked at a place around Adringano, etc. Now, the man in the center of it all says there was nothing like that. Uh, what is your version of the matter? Let's know uh, via WhatsApp line 0549986996. Professor from Pobati says all those matters regarding missing excavators, etc., uh, were a calculated scheme or attempt by his fellow government officials at the time and some party uh, officials uh, who wanted him out of government. So all those were uh, schemes that they plotted against him. That's what he's saying. What do you think? Uh, 0549986996. We turn our attention to uh, some other stories. Now, the, the Ministry of Defense says the salaries of soldiers and police officers have been tripled to enhance their standard of living. The ministry says the government has made adequate investments in the security apparatus of the country over the years. The Minister of Defense, Dominic Nitowo, made this known during a debate on the State of the Nation address by the President. It's not just a hardware that this president has invested in. It's not just the recruitment drive that this president has done for the security agencies. Mr. Speaker, for the armed forces in particular, the salaries and allowances of armed forces have been more than tripled. It's the same thing with the police service. It's the same thing with the other security service. Because a hungry soldier is an angry soldier. A hungry soldier is an angry soldier. That is the reason why it is important to make sure that our security agencies are well taken care of. It is not just increasing the United Nations daily allowance for soldiers that we have done. We have also made sure that the allowances, their facilities, and their salaries have been increased tremendously. Mr. Speaker, the president goes ahead to talk about the massive housing infrastructure in Dominic Nitowo is Minister of Defence. Away from that, the first Deputy Speaker, Joseph Oseo is calling on Ghanaians to avoid having another hangpartment as he says the situation has made the current legislature less efficient as compared to the seventh parliament. He wants Ghanaians to vote massively for either NPP or NDC in the 2024 general elections to make one political party have an overwhelming majority in the House. According to him, the seventh parliament, for instance, passed over 100 laws, but the current parliament, which is in its third year, has passed less than 10 laws, citing the approval of ministerial nominees and nominees to the Supreme Court. As an example, he stated that there is less cooperation and the minority tends to oppose almost all government's decisions. Speaking exclusively to City News, he stated that a lack of effective collaboration is adversely affecting governance in the country. It's affecting governance generally. Look, ministers, they are ministers appointed by a party, but they work for the whole country. Agri, 
whatever policy they implement, every farmer, both sides, enjoy it. And when you go into a community, you don't go and look for who are this or that. So when there's no performance, when the policies are not being implemented, then what you get is non-performance, and it affects the whole country. So it will affect governance generally. I am saying Ghanaians should the next time vote more. If they want MPP to be majority, give them more. If you want NDC to be majority, this um, one... Is, is affecting governance very badly. Should I say that? The seventh parliament, probably because of the numbers, we passed the highest number of laws ever since 1993. We passed over 100 laws. It has never happened. And this parliament, this is our third year. I doubt whether we have made even 10 laws. Yes. Because... <laughs> One, the level of cooperation that used to exist in Parliament that I saw, fifth, sixth, seventh, no, it's no longer there. On every little matter, we will argue, go back and come back, and because we have numbers, we are equal. If Mr. Speaker is not there, 137, 137. If Mr. Speaker is there and one of your members is not there, so you are watching, who, who is not there today? Ah, this group has traveled, let's put it in. And then they said, no, if, they, if we put it today, we can't do They will find all kinds of means to frustrate the work. So when this parliament was inaugurated, I granted an interview and I said that I expect even greater cooperation. But I judged wrong. The closeness has made us unfruitful as a parliament. I mean, look at where we are with Supreme Court judges. What is the basis for objecting to their uh, 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 nomination? Nothing. We, we won't support two. I said this two, we won't support them. Why? There's nothing on record to show that they failed to demonstrate that they are sufficiently competent or they did anything wrong that they barred them from being promoted from Court of Appeal or High Court, Supreme Court. But she just said, we are a minority. We won't support them. So you need all your wanted seven members to be present at any point in time to be able to pass them. Um, new ministers. Look at a huge ministry like Agric and Trade. In fact, Ghana. Technically, ask me. These are the two major economic activities, agri and trade. Agri and trade, if you put them together, they cover about 80% of all economic activities. And yet, they have no ministers now because they say, we, as the minority, will not support them. In the past, it wasn't like that. The majority cooperated with the minority. Even though the numbers were big, we still accommodated when they have special differences. But today, <laughs> even when they they have no real issue. For example, this vetting we did, what issue came up? Nothing. None of these people is not an... They are all MPs, right? And by law, the qualification to be a minister is to be an MP. So once you're an MP, the only thing that will qualify you will disqualify you is that you must have done something wrong, which if it were known, you would not have qualified to be an MP. So unless you can show that any one of them have done any such thing, there's no business 
for holding them. But as they want to misuse of power. Oh, engagement has been going on left, right, center. These people are talking, that people are talking. But hey, this is a different, we're in a different regime. You hear the voice of the MP for Bekwai and First Deputy Speaker, Joseph Osehusu. Interesting thoughts there. Let's test these thoughts by another MP uh, who is on the minority side, Sabon Nete George, MP for Ningo Pram Pram. Hello, good evening, sir. Welcome to Eyewitness News. Your colleague, indeed, your First Deputy Speaker of Parliament, says that uh, this parliament has been very unproductive, very inefficient because of the closeness of the numbers. What do you think? Hi, sir. Good evening, and good evening to our listeners. Um, the, the, the position by the Honourable Joseph Ousu is um, it's an interesting one. It's one that lends itself to debate because there is you cannot dismiss it and say in, it has no substance in it. However, you can also not say that it's entirely correct. It depends on which side you're sitting on. Bearing in mind that he has most times also been um, on the receiving end of some of the, the what he will call the downsides of a very close um, pairing in the House, 137-137, when he decides we have to end up in the Supreme Court with whether he could vote and all of that. But the point is, this Parliament has become the closest thing to people having a chance to have representatives who are not a rubber stamp. Because when you look at the other parliament, for example, the, the seventh parliament, where Joseph who again was tested to speak up to Michael Quay, you had an instance where, irrespective of the substance of the argument of the minority that was there, want of a better phrase, almost nonchalant attitude to whatever the minority said. It was, you say whatever you want to say, we will have our way at the end of the day. It, 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 it lends itself to a problem for our democracy when parliament is reduced to a majority that is overwhelming and a majority that, that is just seem to be an extension or an appendage of the executive arm of government because they do not want to offend their principal in government. People are looking to catch the eye of the president in a possible reshuffle. And so everything that government brings, irrespective of the value or position in it, just finds its way walking through parliament. That in itself cannot be an ideal situation. And that's what I'm saying that there is... There is merit to what he's saying, but there's also challenges in what he's saying. Has it raised um, a more antancrous relationship or a more strained relationship on the floor of the House? Absolutely. But I think that that in itself speaks to the failure of leadership on the part of the government side. Because don't forget, the government side is the one that generates um, business. And brings business to, uh, and when I say business, I, I mean the work of parliament. They bring government business to the floor. It behoves on the government side to not think that because they are termed the majority, they could just run roughshod over everybody. 
but to have proper scrutiny of government government proposals and government business and to also engage properly and proactively across that. But what you have seen is a posturing of, of of a leadership on the other side that is not necessarily lending itself to compromise and lending itself to cooperation, but still feels that because they are in government and they are majority, they should have their way. So that's where the challenge really is. The ability for leadership on the government side to reach over and across the aisle and try to build consensus on issues before it even comes. And to be able to stand united and say that, look, this position is the position of the executive, but as representatives of the people, it isn't the right thing to do. Take, for example, the CI. This CI that is being pushed by the Electoral Commission. There are members of the government side whose constituents are on their necks on a daily basis asking for Ghana cards. They are unable to get the Ghana cards for them, even though they are members of the majority, because the NIA just simply doesn't have the funds. And so the printing of Ghana cards has slowed down across the country. Yet, even when they admit to this and complain about this in private conversation, because of political expediency, you have them jumping ahead of themselves in defense of a CI that we all know in its current shape and form will be problematic in disenfranchising Ghanaian citizens who are constituents. Sam, he also mentioned, he mentioned a few, he gave a few examples. So, for example, uh, the vetting of the, the, the recent, I mean, persons for the ministerial positions. He talked about trade and he talked about agri. As we speak, these two ministries do not have substantive uh, ministers. And he says there's really no reason why you should not approve or pass these people. There's absolutely no reason. And if there's anything having to do with qualification, indeed, they are members of parliament and by law, it's the same qualification to be to be to be minister. So why are you holding it back now? Business in these two ministries, which are key, he says. You know, business is slowing down. Nothing really is happening because there's no substantive head. Is that not slowing down government business? Again, that's an unfair position to make. Um, when, if you really have an understanding of what the minority's position is, the minority's position is not that oh, we just don't want to have a great minister, a trade minister. Our argument is fundamentally simple. But even the diplomatic community has made it clear to the government that the size of government is unhealthy. Government is not based. Government has to go on, on, on a diet program to, to restructure the, 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 the ministries and realign them and, and streamline government into a leaner, trimmer, and, and, and healthier shape. This is the point we're making. And so if as Parliament, and this again is just the point I ended the last time, the last submission on, if as Parliament were being uh, mindful of what the real needs of the country are and not what partisan political consideration is, you would have had the majority side join the minority side and saying, look, the executive needs to reduce the numbers. How do you reduce the numbers? Yes, you want to have a, 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 a trade minister and, and, and a great minister substantive, but do you need a minister of state at local government where you have a minister for local government and you have a deputy or two deputies already? Do you need a minister of state for finance where you have 
a minister of finance and two deputies. This is the excessive waste that we are speaking about. But that the respective first deputy major, uh, first uh, um, deputy speaker, is failing to come to terms with that it is behoving on them as members of parliament to be concerned about issues that affect the ordinary Ghanaian and not say that because our president has gone ahead, even when everybody is saying, and it is obvious, that the size of government is problematic, one will short, approve everybody. That's where the problem is. Because if they had worked with, with the minority and sent a signal to the executive that, look, we will not countenance and tolerate unnecessary portfolios, like, like having ministers of state there, like being, not being able to subsume the minister for, for chieftaincies and religious affairs under the Ministry of Creative Arts. If we don't do this as a way of saving costs, we will not support it. These are the issues that we're raising. So it is not as though the minority are just chosen to say we are not going to approve ministers. No, it's, it's failing to look at the critical underlying issues that we're raising. We're raising fundamental issues of principle and policy. But that's the problem. That, you see, the, it, it, this case highlights what the challenge is. The mere fact that the speaker, the deputy speaker, is unable to appreciate the real nitty-gritty of the argument we're making is why we're having an impasse in the House. Because as one of the highest-ranking members of the NPP, he fails to grasp Yes, yes, the, yeah, the situation the, really the, the situation really should be very f- frustrating for for government and 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 I think that shows in his in in his submission so do, would we say that we, we this is what we'll be seeing there will be no change in direction the minority will be as resolute as it has been in in its response to government programs or the the two sides will find a way of working together can can you guys guarantee that for us what I can guarantee you is that the minority will continue to work in the best interest of the Ghanaian people. That's what I can guarantee you. Um, I can't guarantee you cooperation with the government because I don't know how the government is going to act. Is the government going to be acting in the best interest of the Ghanaian people? Absolutely, we will cooperate with them on that. But I do not have any, any, any hope. I do not have any confidence in the fact that this government, giving its six-year track record in its 70 and now, will begin to change. A leopard never changes its sports. And so, for me, looking at how this government has operated in the last six years, I don't foresee them acting 100% in the best interest of the taxpayer and the Ghanaian people. And so we can't promise a compromise with them. What we can, we can promise you is that we'll be guided by our conscience and every action that we take and every decision and position that the minority caucus will take and that that position will be in tandem with the wishes and aspirations of the Ghanaian people. Mm. The government is minded by that. They will have our cooperation. Thank Anything you. other than that, we can't guarantee that cooperation. Sam George, Sam Natejo, thank you so much. Member of Parliament for Ningo Pram Pram, thank you so much for speaking to us on this matter. Let, let, let's take another interview. Dr. Rashid Rahman is Executive Director of the Africa Centre for Parliamentary Affairs, ASEPA. He, he joins us on the line for some quick thoughts. Hello, good evening, Doc. Welcome to Eyewitness News. We all thought that having a hung parliament was, was a blessing uh, and that the, the, the populace will now have real value for money. But that doesn't appear to be the case. What, what do you think? No, I mean, it is the case. 
I mean, it is just, Salom, uh, it is just that I think uh, both parties over the years have been used to the convenience of a majority. And so they haven't been used to, you know, what many, uh, particularly Northern European countries, have been used to. I mean, the, the politics of negotiation, the politics of give and take, the politics of compromise. We are used to the politics of winner takes all. So we have the numbers, we come to parliament, we get our way, whether it's in the interest of uh, the people or not. Um, this arrangement is very inconveniencing for them. And that is why I believe we are hearing uh, this uh, you know, claim that um, it is slowing government business. But, but is that not a fact? You know, you have, you have ministerial vettings conducted, yet you won't pass the people. And indeed, there was a fiat issued by the, the, the party of the minority that do not pass mm-hmm. them. So what really is mm-hmm. the point? There's been some uh, vetting of Supreme Court judges. You say you will pass mm-hmm. two, you won't pass the other two. What really are the reasons? Are these well, not slowing down government business? I don't, I don't really think so, uh, Selom. I think the minority has uh, made some demands. And I believe if we, you flip the coin and the other side is in the minority, they are going to behave in the same way. Uh, even if government business has to be slowed in order for us to do the right thing, I believe that is better than rushing things. Because let me just give you an example, Selom. I've been following this parliament for more than close to, I mean, 30 years now. I mean, for the first time, I've gotten to know that parliament has really the power of the press. And it is only possible because we have a hung parliament. And so anybody who says this is slowing government business, like uh, like uh, Honorable Sam George was saying, I mean, who in this country, including you and I, uh, hasn't said that, I mean, the size of our government is too big. Uh, and I think on this one, um, many would, would support the position of the minority. I mean, there are other instances when, yes, I think they're still in politics. But I think on some of these things, really, at this time, that all of us cannot afford uh, a decent living. We are taking a lot of haircuts and so on. Uh, and you heard the diplomatic community, as you said, the German ambassador was out and so on. Uh, if government is not cutting costs and cutting its size, then they are asking you and me to cut our our side. Uh, I think that um, if this is frustration to the other side, uh, perhaps so be it. But I believe it's just basically the fact that uh, both parties have not been used to the inconvenience uh, of, I mean, negotiating, of getting to compromise, and working in the interest of the people. At the end of the day, with their numbers, both NDC and MPP over the years, what we have seen is they get their way. But now I think there are some bricks that are put in every step. And that, I believe, uh, at some point, if you are not used to it, then you begin to see it as uh, a slowing government business. Mm. But I think that's, that's, that's the normal course of politics mm. uh, that we see in democracies that work. I see. So, so how really should we be assessing the parliament? I mean, Jose uh, Wusu makes the point that in the last parliament, over 100 laws were, were passed. But, you know, two and a half years into this parliament, he doesn't even think 10 laws have been passed. One of the yeah. primary jobs of parliament really is to pass laws. And so if the, the situation in the house is making them default on that 
principal function, then that really should be a problem. Well, I think they see that as their principal function, but citizens see their principal function as, I mean, exercising the power of the press. Still, a number of laws have been passed, but I don't think that Parliament has uh, maybe taken a pause to assess the quality of those laws. You know, so that is a question. Are we dealing with quantity or are we dealing with uh, quality? So if, I mean, scrutiny is taking place, if a lot of due diligence is being done so that we get better laws, I think I will go for that rather than, I mean, having so many laws, some of which do not make sense. Mm. Because, uh, I mean, if you do a post-legislative scrutiny of some of these laws, I believe we will find a lot of flaws because, I mean, proper scrutiny was not done before these laws were passed. For instance, the Public Financial Management Act says that, you know, when before a law uh, a bill, I mean, goes through all the processes. There has to be some cost-benefit analysis, some documentation accompanying this. I mean, over the years, this has been glossed over sometimes. And uh, and then we pass laws. I believe if you begin, you know, scrutinizing some of these laws, you might realize that, I mean, perhaps they cannot do the job that they are intended to do. Just because, I mean, the numbers were there over the years, so the thing goes through the process and then people are discouraged, you know, uh, even to speak out because, you know, at the end of the day, when you speak out, I mean, they will call uh, the numbers. And then when it becomes a numbers game, uh, you know that, I mean, even if you are right, uh, your voice, I mean, will be dwarfed by by the big numbers from the other side. So I think, Salem, there is the need for us to do a much more critical analysis of this uh, situation we find ourselves. And uh, before we can make any pronouncements as to whether the fact that, I mean, scrutiny is being done, there is a careful examination of everything that comes before Parliament, uh, is that slowing down government business? If that is the case, yes, I think that that's what the Ghanaian people want. Mm. And again, I mean, you know, one of the right honorable speaker is saying Ghanaian should never vote for this. Well, I mean, I don't think that the members of parliament has have a say in terms of how we vote. I mean, in terms of how we vote, I think how we vote is determined by their behavior in the House and by the behavior of the parties. Maybe we are even going to get worse than this. I'm predicting that one day we'll get to a point where one party will control the presidency and another party will control uh, the legislature. And that is where we would even see uh, kind of more serious uh, uh, need for negotiation and for compromise. Mm. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Rashid uh, Draman. Very uh, interesting views you, you have there. Very, very uh, interesting views. We'll speak about this uh, some more, some other time. Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Akosia has some more stories. Yes, Reverend Adote Lati Memorial School has emerged the winner amongst 10 schools which contested in the Better Malt Flip It Out Recycling Challenge organized by Accra Brewery PLC. The competition was held to unearth the creative abilities of young people in recycling plastic waste for meaningful purposes. The school scored 85 points for designing a hat with 675 recycled bottles of better mold with other materials. The winner took home a cash prize of 10,000 CDs, with the other two competitors receiving 7,000 and 5,000 CDs, respectively. 
respectively. The others received souvenirs on speaking to City News, a junior high school three student with the Reverend Adote Latin Memorial School. Deborah Doreen expressed her excitement about the feat and thanked all who contributed to the project. We only picked uh, better malt bottles and other stuff to help create the Zana hat or summer hat. We got it from the idea of the nordness. Yeah, fishermen and farmers always use this building as relaxation. They relax on it after a hard day's work while their women cook for them to eat. We couldn't find so much bottles, but others helped to find them, so it went on well. I feel proud. I feel proud of my school for making it possible. I feel proud of the people who helped in the competition. You had a student of Reverend Adote Lati Memorial School, Deborah Doreen. Meanwhile, the head of marketing at the Accra Brewery PLC, Chuka Naobi, stressed the need to encourage children to protect the environment by recycling plastic waste. We often call them leaders of tomorrow, but we believe that they can lead us today. They can show us what it means to take care of our environment today. So the first step is this cleanup exercise. Is this exercise to turn around this waste plastic into creative art. But that's just the first step. The next step becomes a way to continuously encourage reusing and not disposing of this plastic waste. So what we've done right now is we've provided recycling bins in all the schools to encourage them to drop their used bottles in these bins. And it's a continuous process. It's, and we can't be able to be honest. We need every one of us, including you, to join us to really help us to take care of our environment. When you drink something, don't throw the bottle on the floor. Take it and recycle it somewhere or reuse it, something interesting. I hope that with this art that we're going to see today, we can be encouraged and inspired to turn this plastic waste into something more tangible, something more creative that we can all use to keep our environment. Head of Marketing at the Accra Brewery PLC, Chuka Naobi. Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Um, your messages have been coming in thick and fast. Uh, Holy Boga, Holy Imboga says, What's Joe or Sewusu talking about? Does he understand cooperation? What did he do when the speaker left after the minority rejected the budget? He should keep quiet. Something from North Kanishi says, Why didn't Professor Frimpon Baden say this long time ago until now? He should mention names now. Time for City Business News. And Netele Nete Ajahu. It's here. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News and Eyewitness News powered by citybusinessnews.com. Let's settle for the details now. The Ghana Revenue Authority is urging business operators to embrace the EVAT system to enhance their daily transactions. The authority maintains that the EVAT helps streamline the discomfort associated with the manual tax collection system. This comment was made by the Assistant Commissioner of VAT Administration at the authority, Philip Aqua, on the sidelines of a quarterly tax series dialogue organized by the UK Ghana Chamber of Commerce in partnership with PwC Ghana. We have several benefits to businesses, right? Uh, for example, uh, if you are in the informal sector and you don't have your own uh, record keeping, uh, this system allows you to keep record, right? It allows you to see how much sales you've made uh, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, such that you'll be able to do simple accounting. Every business wants to know how much profit they made, correct? And you also, 
be able to track how much purchases that you've made, right? So that at the end of the day, you see, this is my sales, this is my purchase, this is how much profit I'm making, right? Businesses thrive on the basis of profitability, right? So if you're running a business and you, are, you don't even know the profit that you're making, then, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help you in any way. So uh, this, this system helps businesses to formalize their operations, which is extremely, extremely important. And that is why we are encouraging all taxpayers, especially those in the informal sectors or traders, to be onboarded onto the system. Philip Aqua is the Assistant Commissioner of VAT Administration at the Ghana Revenue Authority. With the growing climate uncertainties and mounting financial needs for climate adaptation and mitigation, businesses in the country are being urged to take up a greater role in the fight against climate change. Data from the Africa Policy Research Institute indicates that climate finance is not reaching the local level as expected because just about 3.5% out of the $1.3 billion climate finance inflows to Ghana from 2011 to 2019 were spent on climate adaptation initiatives and respond to the harsh realities of climate change. Executive Director of the Ghana Climate Innovation Center, Ruka Sanusi, has been speaking on the issue. In climate change, we are facing one of the world's greatest threats, a man-made disaster at a global scale. Without exception, every country in the world is experiencing the devastating effects of climate change. On average, 2.5 million people have been displaced by climate or weather-related events each year since 2008. And climate change directly impacts agricultural yields as it does the world's food security, and according to the UNEP, the Environmental Agency of the UN, it is estimated that climate change adaptation will costs will range between 140 to 300 billion US dollars per annum. If left unchecked, climate change will reverse the progress that we have made over the past decades in development and undermine the efforts to achieve the Sustainable Development Goals. Climate change poses serious threats to sustainable development because the impacts of environmental change, they're never gender neutral and neither are the responses to them. Ruka Sadusi is executive director of the Ghana Climate Innovation Center. Players in the cocoa processing value chain are encouraging farmers to produce organic beans as there's a growing demand for the product, according to them, more businesses are leaning towards the sustainable production of food products devoid of chemicals. Speaking to City Business News marketing team lead for chocolate manufacturer Ferra Freak, Ishmael Kwe, believes this is the way to go as it also protects the health of farmers. So the access to the beans has been um, a challenge because Fire Freak, we produce only organic chocolates. And by organic, we ensure that the cultivation of the uh, cocoa it's not done with the use of pesticides. We check and recheck all the time to ensure that this is our status. You know, um, getting organic beans in Ghana is not easy because it's very um, easy to do the conventional, using the pesticides and all of that. But uh, we want to encourage organic because the use of the chemicals affects the health of the farmer, the health of the environment, and then the end user. You know, so we encourage and then we also invest in sustainability. So this package you are seeing, everything inside is fully recyclable, meaning that does not affect um, the environment. So we also want to entreat the cocoa board to make uh, beans available at a very affordable price to um, the local producers or local 
uh, cocoa processors so that we can uh, buy and produce more chocolate for the local market. Because when the cocoa beans are expensive, the local processors want to export it so that they can get the profit or the money they invested. You know, and I don't think that in the long run it can promote the consumption of chocolate locally. Ishmael Kwe is the marketing team lead for chocolate manufacturer Fair Africa. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netelinete Ajaho. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Welcome back to Point Blank on Eyewitness News. And tonight, Point Blank is dedicated to Heritage Caravan. Indeed, tonight is the last night for the Caravanites. They return tomorrow after a seven-day trip across 14 regions of Ghana. So about 10 patrons of the Heritage Caravan, whose birthdays fell within the dates of the trip, have been celebrated in grand style. The celebration was climaxed at the home of an ardent listener of City FM, Mr. William Nkumsa, at Sekundi in the Western Region. Mr. Nkumsa hosted the Caravanites to a massive party for the second consecutive time in his house. Here is one of the patrons in a conversation with my colleague Fred Duho. This is my third time of uh, being on this uh, trip, the Heritage Caravan. Actually, it's a very amazing. I live in London and uh, I always come. This is a third time I'm here, as I said, and uh, it's so nice. I mean, it tells you the rich culture of the country. We travel from the uh, Great Sakura right down to the water, Eastern Ashanti, a lot of things we learn about, so I really enjoyed it. Someone is wondering in Ghana, what is someone from the UK coming to do in Ghana because of tourism? Yeah, they don't know what they are missing. Tourism tells you a lot about the country, rich culture, how the country, how people live, yeah, everything. So culture, you can't beat it. It's good. That's why I always come here every year. Yeah, I live in, I was born and bred in Tema. But because of this uh, heritage caravan, I want to know what's region, Ashanti, North, Upper East, Upper West, right up to Central Region and Western Region. But why are you not? One would wonder, why do you keep coming? What is that thing that is attracting you and uh, not really saying that, oh, I am tired this year, I'm not going to come again? Right. Then, first of all, the organizers are doing a fantastic job. I mean, City FM, City Radio, they do so well. The Samens, you know, it's well organized. The hotels are very nice. I mean, it's a five star hotel, Royal Sinji, costs about $300 a night. But look, we pay just for like, what, 9500 You can have all the hotels. Look at this uh, Maha Hotel went It's very expensive, but listen, the place is so amazing. Look at the food. Mm. Everything's so nice. So I love it. Every year, there's an improvement. It's my third time. 
every year there's an improvement and it's keeping it's getting bigger and better so i would say that listen guys please join the train next year it's going to be bigger next year and better next year as well so we look forward to you on that score so you can hear in the background dancing and drumming going on from the brass band here in second day. We are having organic fun here. So you can hear the loud cheers out there. These are patrons of the 23 edition uh, of the Heritage Caravan enjoying themselves to the fullest. And this is happening right here in the home of Mr. and Mrs. Nkumsa, who actually hosted the patrons and treated them to some delicious meal uh, and also marked the birthday party of some patrons on this particular trip. Well, so you could feel the excitement in the voices of those people there, the patrons of the Heritage Caravan whatever they mean by organic enjoyment. Well, I've been joined on the line by Fred Juho, who is the man on the beat. Tonight being the last night on the caravan. To tell us what they'll be doing tonight and tomorrow morning before they set off for Accra. Hello, Fred. Good evening. Welcome to Eyewitness News Point Blank. Good evening, Council Salamadonu. You, 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 you've had the fun of your life, I can tell. Uh, what, what exactly have you people been up to uh, today? I mean, this night being the last night. What's the lineup of activities like tonight? Um, well, to start with, we took off from the... Um, we took off from uh, Mahabish Resort in the Western region and then made our first stop in the house of Mr. Inkusa. Uh, he and the wife actually hosted us to... A party that really celebrated some uh, people who um, did their birthday, and uh, I must add that the feeling at the Maha Beach Resort was quite a great one. Uh, but I think I should recap the entire trip for you, uh, since we actually embark on this trip uh, today, being the very last night we're going to have at Cape Town. Uh, to get the appropriate to bring up to speed with uh, what the update has been. We actually started off, uh, that was last Saturday, and uh, we went straight to the water region. After we treated to some Kinke and uh, other local dishes within the premises of CCTV at Tessano, and we left there to the border region precisely um, a major fair canopy walkway, and we had some great time over there. It was a breathtaking experience where caravanites took turns to uh, walk on the canopy walkway, some for the very first time in their life, uh, can't get the uh, caravan. We left the Amejofe canopy walkway to the eastern region uh, where um, the Royal City hosted us and the Pompa Band uh, through that night and it was all fun and great excitement. That was actually sponsored by Ebony Condoms, uh, being one of the uh, sponsors on this year's Heritage Caravan. We woke up as early as six and started our journey from the Eastern District to the Ashanti region. But we made a first stop at the Bonway Kente Weaving Center, where the Euro European Union in Ghana also took turn to, um, I mean, do about their uh, 
duty over there. They actually expose uh, our patrons to what they do in Ghana, the support they offer to a number of Ghanaians in terms of their mandate uh, in the country. Yesterday and then later slept at another hotel in Kumasi, specifically at age two. And at that particular place, uh, we had a poolside party. Some of us uh, actually slept as late as 2 a.m. And that should tell you the level of excitement uh, with which the government can party and party so hard. We woke up from that particular place with our food packed where we took off uh, straight to the Upper East region. But then we made a stopover at Paradise um, Restaurant on the way where we had some local business to the patrons. Um, from that particular place, we again, uh, like I mentioned, we moved straight to the upper history, but through the money, uh, precisely uh, where we went to Bogatanga, and that place we also found with the traditional dance, drumming, uh, and the food, where a brief history was told about Bogatanga, how the various tribes live and coexist with each other since time immemorial. Um, so, we moved to uh, Tamale, where um, we, we, had, we went straight to the Pagakopada and then made our uh, entry into Burkina Faso. So uh, I would say that it's been uh, quite a very long journey. On some of the trips, we do at least 12 hours, while some we would do, uh, we, we actually did about 10 hours. So every, every now and then we move. Uh, it all comes with its own fun and all excitement and enthusiasm. The governor never gave up. We left Tamale and then moved straight to the Havana region where we actually went to the Mole uh, the National Park, which is in the country. And at this particular place, the governor took them to a safari. They saw the elephant. For the very first time, and I will also put on record that that has been my first time seeing an elephant and it's a huge animal. That uh, I mean, it was so beautiful. Uh, we saw baboons, we saw antelopes uh, of various kinds, and we also went to the museum to see what they uh, had to offer. The education there was quite uh, insightful, I would say, because. Uh, some of the kids were eye-opening, knowing the kind of animals they have in this national park. From the Savannah region, we headed straight to the Bono region. That particular still lasted about 12 hours on the road. And you can just imagine, uh, but even that, the caravanites, from time to time, they would take a break and then uh, sing, dance. There are games on board. People are playing ludo. People are playing cards. People are having all manner of on the path. So we left that particular site, the Bono region, where we headed uh, through other uh, regions and straight to uh, the Bono region. Uh, we left Japan to the Bono region, where uh, used uh, hotel us to some great, great, great dinner and fun. So mm. from that particular Bono region, we headed straight to where we actually left. It is the the Mahabi. So after the Maha, you had a birthday party at the Mr. Kusa house. And so now you are in Cape Coast. The of the entire trip is going to be 
almost seven days on the road. Some good hotels having fun on the road, mm. and this is the description of the heritage month. Uh, when we mean travel Ghana, see Ghana, Very see well. Ghana, and enjoy everything of, uh, I mean, heritage. Very Ghana well. has is for all of us. So what time do we expect you tomorrow in Accra? Hello, tell them. Come again. But what time should we be expecting you in Accra tomorrow? The line is breaking. All right. I was just asking what time we should be expecting you in Accra tomorrow. So we will be back in Accra tomorrow if I get a question right. Yes, yes. Uh, we will be back in Accra tomorrow. Tonight we're going to have our very last night in Cape Coast in one of the class hotels that uh, we've... Uh, normally when we are moving, there's a advanced team that is always two to three hours ahead of us mm -hmm. to make sure every plan put in place uh, is actually ready for Caravanite to enjoy. Very well. So, and this evening when we are done packing... For the final time, at this particular hotel in Cape Coast, we will then move to Accra tomorrow where we would visit uh, premises and everybody would move into their various homes. And that would mean the end to the 23 edition of the Heritage Caravan. But that will not be all. Don't forget, on 24th, we have the food bazaar coming up. And all these uh, patrons of the Heritage Caravan would be present at this a food bazaar. Very well. Now, even though some of them came from uh, outside the country, it also gives assurance that uh, some of them would be present the Very food well. bazaar to ensure that the climate this whole heritage month with everything that CTFM is to offer them. Very well. Thank you so much, Fred Duho. Fred Duho is our man on the beat. He's with the Heritage Caravan team. They've been traveling 14 regions of Ghana in seven days. This is how we conclude our uh, program for tonight. Uh, show has been produced by Nana Kobna Welsin, uh, Sami Wiafe, and then uh, Beverly London. Production assistance is given by Daniel Squashi. Earlier, you heard uh, Akosio Autry and Neteli Neti Ajaho. My name is Selom Adunu. Up next is Post Panorama. Uh, make a date with me tomorrow at 9 a.m. for the big issue where we discuss all the topical matters, current affairs matters that made the news. Uh, Benjamin Kitia and his boys are up next to Sports Panorama. Have a good evening. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.